year planning. If you think you've missed the boat on this, I'm here to tell you that that is a lie. It's never too late to map out an effective year. So if you haven't planned 2024 yet, or if you haven't finished planning it yet, then this video is the place to be. This is episode 26 of the Effective Faith Podcast, how to plan an effective year. My name's Chris Wood and I run Effective Faith, helping you to be more than just productive. At Effective Faith, our aim is to intentionally focus on what matters most, to resist the productivity idols and to help Christians live effectively for Christ in their everyday work. In 2024, the podcast is continuing in its new format. You can keep on listening on EffectiveFaith.org, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But you can also watch it on YouTube, on the Effective Faith YouTube channel in video format. It's never too late to map out an effective year. That's quite a bold claim. It's actually a ridiculous claim if you think about it. Surely at 11.59pm on the 31st of December 2024, you've kind of missed the annual planning boat for 2024, right? Yeah? A ridiculous claim it is, but it's actually one that I'm going to stand by. No matter how far into the year you are, making the most of the time left is always worth giving your attention to. Make that final minute of the year just a little bit better than it would be if you did nothing at all. We're not in that position now though, it's early January in 2024. Now, the best way to plan a year, it's much more intuitive, much more fluid than the best way to plan your day or the best way to plan your week might be. When I plan my day, when I plan my week, I follow a checklist, I run through it step by step by step, I follow a tight process. Planning a year, however, is a creative activity. To illustrate and explain that, I'm going to sketch in three foundational principles for you. And here's the first. You have no idea what is going to happen in the next year, in the next 12 months. Uncertainty, it doesn't mean that planning a year is pointless. Uncertainty drives us to humility, and for the Christian believer, it drives us to faith. Anything can happen, both things that we would consider good or things that we would consider bad. And it could totally change the game for you. We could meet someone tomorrow and be married in six months. You could be starting a new job, only to lose it again six months down the line. You or someone close to you could become very, very ill and that could dramatically change your year. Or a movie executive could spot me in the street tomorrow and decide to cast me as Belgarion of Riva in an as yet unannounced film series of the Bulgariad. It could happen. You see, uncertainty, it leads us to humility. Uncertainty leads to ideas and creativity in a way that it will never lead us to a firm and rigid and definite plan. Second basic principle, a year is 12 months long. It's not one month long and it's not 100 months long. Bill Gates once said, most people overestimate what they can do in one year 
and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. This is true. It's also true that when it comes to planning, we will inevitably have a bias towards the first few months, what's immediate, what's current. We can see it more clearly, and we are just more aware of what's on our minds right now. You see, planning creatively rather than rigidly, it enables those plans, those ideas that we have to be firmed up and fleshed out when it comes to thinking about them in more detail, when we're thinking about our quarters, our months, our weeks and our days. And the third basic principle, year planning, it, it needs to incorporate far more than just getting things done. You see, a rigid process methodology, it works really well for organising and scheduling known things. But a more creative approach is needed to map out what's important, to create new ideas, new goals, new plans. So where do you start with year planning? I love Carl Pauline's approach here. I love his advice on this, and it is what I aim to follow myself generally speaking, when I plan the year ahead. There is so much content out there on the internet about reviewing and reflecting on the year that's just happened. You can find videos, blog posts, even some pretty pricey Notion templates that take you through a step-by-step -step annual review, looking back on the year that's just happened. Honestly, I think reflecting on the past is a good thing to do, but personally, I would never start here. I need this to be a creative exercise, and starting in the past tends to restrict this quite a bit. It limits my brain to thinking within the parameters of what's happened and what I have done over the past 12 months, and that hinders my creativity. For me, it's a little bit like when you read a novel before you see the film. Your mind imagines what the characters look like, imagines the settings from the descriptions, from your own imagination and from your memories. But when you see the film first, your ability to imagine the characters and the scene, it's, it's, it's hemmed in by what you saw on the screen. I do not want the creative side of my year planning to be hemmed in or restricted by the things that I achieved or the things that I failed to achieve in the year that's just finished. That's important, but it comes later. So I always start by allowing ideas to come to me organically as I go through normal everyday life. I consult my instincts. For example, if I was asked the question, what should your main priority and focus be next year, and you're only given five seconds to respond, what would you say? You see, the reason why this stage is so important for me is that often what comes to mind here is an area of life that needs serious attention, that's been neglected, perhaps. Now, in an ideal world, I'd allow this list of ideas to evolve over a couple of months before the year starts. But if I started my year planning today, for example, and I'm recording this on the 3rd of January, then I'd allow less time for that. And maybe I'd just schedule in some walks to just wander through the hills and think and dream. You see, I put me, I'm significantly more creative when I'm moving than when I'm just sitting still.
You see, this idea, it comes pretty much directly from Carl Pauline. He starts this process in October, lets it run through to the end of November, and then in December he will build on those ideas that he's generated over the past two months. So what does this actually look like for me in 2024? A few years back, I suffered a fairly major episode of burnout, which in turn fueled anxiety, which in turn fueled depression. There were quite a lot of things happening in a lot of different areas of life, work and other key areas that were all extremely stressful, hugely damaging and extremely depressing. And not just for me, but for plenty of other people as well. This, and combined with some medication that had some hugely negative side effects for me, it's left my physical fitness and health in a really bad way. 2024 is a year when I feel in a position to address that in a focused way. You see, all of my instincts have been telling me to give focus to this over the next 12 months. Therefore, alongside a few other things, my primary focus in 2024 is going to be rebuilding my physical health. As I consider this over the next few weeks, I might just share some more thoughts and ideas of the things that I'm intending to do. What this means is, is that whilst there are no doubt many goals, many projects that I could plan to tackle over the next 12 months, and whilst not everything that I focus on is going to be about restoring health, Having this overarching priority is going to provide a good steer for me as I consider and evaluate all of my other ideas. So alongside this sort of overarching priority, I'll have this list of creative ideas that I've just generated on the fly. Now I've put together a sizable list of ideas, goals, projects, things to work on, change, things to develop. It's a list that includes habits, routines, as well as projects and tasks. It's a list that thinks about self-development and lifestyle. To give you some examples of the different kinds of things that are on my list, I've got publish 150 pieces of content in total over the next 12 months, read 26 books, buy a new laptop, buy a new family desktop, have at least one amazing family holiday this year, Learn how to use Microsoft Excel properly, not just in the sort of basic rudimentary way that I have been doing it in the past. Read the whole Bible across 12 months. Read Calvin's Institutes for the first time all the way through. Develop a habit of study, of reading, of writing. Those are some of my things on my list. Now, I also have some stuff that relates to my paid employment that I can't talk about on the podcast for obvious reasons. What's hopefully clear to us at the point of reviewing this list of ideas that you've come up with is that you're not going to be able to do everything on that list in 12 months. There'll likely be just too much. What will also be clear is that some of those things will fit neatly within your overarching aim. For me, my physical health. Others will not fit neatly within that, but still be doable, and some of the things might be totally counterproductive to whatever your overarching aim is. So we can use those significant areas of focus that we've thought about, however many we may have, to filter that list of ideas of what we want to achieve and do in the next year. 
again, as you go through the list, you'll spot that some items are going to require some consistent action in small chunks across the whole year or across part of it, habits, routines, that kind of thing. Others will be things that you can allocate to a specific quarter or a specific month and then just forget about it until the time comes. See, this is so important to recognise this. You might have capacity to spread 50 discrete projects across the 12-month period, but you will not have the capacity to build in 50 new habits that require consistency across the whole year. Knowing what you're dealing with is going to help you know what your limits are. So then the question becomes, well, what happens next? Once I have a clearer idea of what I want to apply myself to in 2024, then I consider 2023. I start to refine and clarify my plans. At this point, I'm in a position to consider everything that I didn't do in 2023. Do I want to try again in 2024? Is there anything that I failed at? Why did I fail? What can I learn from it? Is there anything I gave focus to in 2023 that I no longer need to in 2024? You see, again, with this kind of reflection, I tend to give it free reign, but there are a few things that it is worth doing and I would run through these. So I would skim over your plan from a year ago if you've got one. What did you set out to achieve and focus on in 2023 and how did that work out? What happened to change or to derail this? What things happened or were achieved that you want to remember for the years to come? What obstacles did you face? It's worth skimming over your plans month to month for the, the previous year and ask similar questions. Again, if you keep a journal or anything like that, then skim through that. Make a note of anything that seems significant. You don't need to read laboriously every day page, but just skim through it and see if there's any themes or patterns. And then lastly, you might want to review your completed projects from the last year and see if there's anything that you need to follow up on or learn from. You see, doing this helps identify things to continue into the next year. But more importantly, it gives you clarity on the things that you have decided not to continue or to focus on so you can give your time to other things. That is much better than simply forgetting about them. But the essential question is, what is it actually going to look like for me when I have finished planning my year? What's the output I want from this exercise? Honestly, it has looked a bit different every single year that I've done this. But what I'm not looking for, at least not from my year plan, is to map out on what days, on what weeks, and in what months, etc. everything needs to be started on and completed by. That's ridiculous. And it totally ignores the uncertainty principle that we talked about earlier. Also, if I try and allocate everything to a specific month, personally, I just I lack the ability to do this, and half of what I want to do, 50%, gets allocated to January and February. I then spend far too long trying to spread things across the year and it just becomes fruitless, so I don't bother. Instead, 
for year planning, I think in quarters or terms or semesters, whatever you want to say, the word doesn't matter. FYI, I should have said this earlier, really. If you work on any kind of academic timetable or an education of any kind, or if you work with people who do, for example, you're involved with student ministry in a church, then I would highly recommend that your year follows the academic year rather than the calendar year. That just makes more sense. The same might be true if uh, for financial years, if you work in finance and accounting, but I've never tested that, so I don't know that. Now, what I've done this year is I've mapped this out across the quarters in terms of areas and aims rather than specific projects. You see, as I reviewed that list of goals, habits, routines, ideas, projects, tasks, I noted that a lot of what I had could actually be grouped into several themes. So across those four broad buckets of my life right now, which are personal, family, effective faith and my paid employment, I listed five broader areas or things I want to focus on in each of those four buckets. So that's 20 things across 12 months. I then split those 20 things across the four quarters of 2024. Some of them show up in multiple quarters, so I have between five and seven things allocated to each quarter. And that's where I'm leaving it. The only other thing that I would do that is relevant to annual planning is to consider holidays and budgets, but I'm not going to explain that here. So how does doing this actually impact and benefit my year? In some ways, the year plan, it serves as a guide. You see, when I plan each quarter, I think in more detail. A month plan is even more specific, as is the week plan, and finally, the plan for the individual day. Alongside this, there's goal planning and project planning. You know, for example, writing down rebuild physical health does nothing. The next step is to think of a methodology to follow to actually do that. And the final step, and the only one that really matters at the end of the day, is following that methodology with consistency and patience. You see, in a real sense, 2024 will not be planned until I complete my daily planning session and quorum deo for the 31st of December. It won't be planned until I have an idea of what I actually need to do to make progress on the different things that I want to make progress on, until the holidays are booked and until the birthday presents are purchased and all of that kind of thing. But from the point of view of annual planning, all I need is a guide, a rough map and directions to follow through the year and build upon as the year progresses. This prevents me from sitting too tightly to those plans. God and life will change my plans. It prevents me from getting too big for myself and not having the humility to recognise that things are uncertainty. Uncertain. It prevents me from overloading myself too much and to overload myself too soon in the year. It allows me to consider things from a more abstract perspective than just getting things done. Now, you could level the accusation at me that I spend my life planning. And I suspect to some 
it very much looks that way. To me, it doesn't. You see, 15 minutes a day on a working day to plan the day, 45 minutes to an hour a week, an hour maybe every month, an hour to an hour and a half or so a quarter, and probably all in maybe four hours for the annual planning. But over half of that time tends to happen whilst I do other things like go for a run, go for a walk, clean the kitchen, you know, all of those kind of things. It averages out across the 12 months at about two hours, 20 minutes a week, which is 5% of my work time, which I think is about right. And so that's how I plan an effective year. Now, if you found this valuable, then please do leave a review. Please do share it on your uh, social media, review it on your podcast app of choice. And also, one of the things I want to do on this podcast is answer questions from listeners. So drop me an email. It's effectivefaith15.58 at gmail.com. You can use the contact form on effectivefaith.org. If you listen on Spotify, you should be able to ask a question in the Q&A box below. And if you're on YouTube, well, hit that like button and then drop me a question in the comments. I'm happy to think about any questions relating to productivity, planning, uh, living as a Christian, theology, whatever, and how this all fits together. Drop me your questions. Uh, I'll have a think and I'll try and answer them. Thank you again very much for listening. And remember, my tagline at Effective Faith, you can be very productive without being very effective.